Welcome, everybody, to episode 195 of the Metabetus 2 podcast, which features uh, myself, Ben. And I am David. And today we're going to look at the special edition of the Power of the Daleks animation and have a little chit chat about that, a little chin wag. A little chin wag, <laughs> as, as the saying goes. <laughs> so, this is a reissue. Yeah. A redone. Um, I wish they'd done like a, um, like, here, this is how it was crap beforehand, and this is how it's better. Like a side-by-side, I would have liked that. Well, I did the side-by-side after I... Of course you did. (laughs) It was mostly because my son Elliot said, you really have to compare it to what it went time before, what it is to to see how much it's improved. I'm so glad that you're also on this podcast and it's not just me. (laughs) Uh, Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> because uh, I approached this on first viewing. Well, I, I got it when it came out day, 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 day from the course, UK, but I, ha- I had not watched it because I had been saving it for the pod. And I I can't remember if you, I can't remember when it came out, but I, I know it you had. It came out in 2017. The original. The original, yes. And the reissue came out within the last year or so. Oh, I beg your pardon. Yes, the, and the reissue came out um, really, really, yeah, in the past six months. Yeah, and yeah. so I didn't watch it at all. I had saved it for the pod, and my vague recollection of the first time watching The, the Power of the Daleks was the animation wasn't very good, and it was distracting, and I preferred the uh, reconstruction or just a plain soundtrack to the animation. It was that, uh, it just didn't do it for me, but right, boy, I watched episode one of it and I got sucked in. It was not distracting the things that they did, which I didn't really notice until I did the side by side comparison just helped it out immensely. And then, so I'm taking notes as I'm watching it. I have no notes for episode three. I was sucked in. Nice. I was glued to the television. So whatever Charles Norton and his team did, and we can go into what they did, really vastly improved this animation to the point that I find it very watchable and an enjoyable six-part story of Doctor Who. So I have not done a side-by-side comparison. Um, I am actually really curious to hear about your conclusions. So I'm, I'm in, okay. in some ways, the um, uh, you know, I'm like a listener to our podcast. <laughs> uh, however... When I watched the original, so back in 2017, I was living in someone's basement um, for various reasons and really didn't have a good way to watch things. Mm-hmm. And I didn't care for it at all. And like, part of it was like, ugh, I'm just like stuck in a basement. I don't really want to be watching this. Right. And it's not very good. Obviously, this time round, I'm watching it on a nice big screen. I'm in my house. It's all very pleasant. Mm-hmm. But you're absolutely right. It was really enjoyable, um, really dramatic, sucked in just like you. It's a great story. You know, there's great characters um, which came out through the animation. Uh, You know, I'll do my usual. uh, Well, the comments I was making about evil, um, whereas the human characters are less convincing than the Daleks in the Mm -hmm. animation and the Daleks are less convincing than the humans' characters in live action... I thought the human characters in this were extremely well done. I felt the likenesses were better, uh, yes. even with uh, Michael Craze's ben, yep. ben, Ben's likeness aside, were better. Garrity captured Troughton, I think, better in this one than the model that they used in Evil. Yeah, absolutely. No, I agree. I agree. I agree. Yeah, and um, I do think it still holds that 
generally Dalek animation being that they're machine creatures rather than uh, the human creatures, which were more attuned to you know the subtleties of, of facial movements, the Daleks do come out across better, especially in the scenes where they replace the cardboard cutout Daleks to expand their range. Yeah, and, which was a huge improvement, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, or even the Rollican or whatever the the model, the toy Daleks Marks, that the Marks Daleks. Marks yeah. well, no, Daleks, are they Marks yeah. ones? No, they're not Marks ones. They're another kind. Anyways, yes, yeah, so yeah, carry yeah. on. Yeah, so in those scenes, especially Rob Ritchie's modeling and scene composition, those really shine. But the overall product, the combined revision of this, really sells the story and. Although we have, you know, about six or seven minutes of surviving clips and trims and stuff from the the original broadcast story and watching that after watching the animation, you still get that sinking feeling in, in your in your chest going, oh, I still again, I will say the the special edition of the Power of Daleks only available to UK UK viewers. It's not ever been released in the United States, Canada, is uh, significantly more watchable. Yeah, and I think again, comparing it to Evil, which yeah, which has a ambitious is the wrong word, but a far greater diversity of sets. Um, mm-hmm. including landscapes. And uh, yes, and obviously um, I know that power starts and ends with landscape. Right. Um, but it's, this is all uh, one of the, I think, helpful things about power is it's, it's all set in one place. Mm-hmm. It's corridors, it's rooms, it's you know largely flat surfaces. You get about uh, four or five different sets in the colony. Yeah, I mean, relatively easy to model. I mean, it's not set in a Victorian house. Right. Um, you don't have that location filming at Grimdike. There's none of that problem, yeah. not problem, but you know, the issue of having to reproduce an actual location. Yeah. Um, these are all sets. They didn't go to Vulcan to film. They this. didn't. They didn't fly to Vulcan to, <laughs> to film in the Mercury swamps um, that they have there, apparently. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so, I mean, I think, I think that helps. And there's a lot of great photographic material, telesnaps, et cetera, to assist with mm-hmm. the modeling. Good references. And, yeah, yeah I mean, uh, I thought it felt like an actual, uh, almost like an actual animation, i.e. this script was performed by actors in order to be animated. One of the directorial changes that Norton had done here is he tightened in the shot. So instead of suffering from the Fury from the Deep Syndrome, where you have really tiny characters on these wide, open, empty shots, he had the camera frame zoomed in. So it's much more of a 1960s style, focusing in on the animated actors. So the framing is better. And then little tiny changes just on Vulcan. The swamp set looks amazing. It looked good in the first release, but just they up the smoke, the fog, the mercury Mercury vapors significantly in the swamp. And my son Elliot told me that episode one, especially the scenes, those initial scenes in the TARDIS were some of the last things that they animated for the first release, and they had run out of time. And it shows, and right. it puts the viewer on the back foot saying, oh, this isn't very good. And there wasn't as many different subtle changes like the middle episodes, but by improving so dramatically episode one, me as a viewer was able to get into it much better, and I wasn't on that back foot watching it. So things like the grading is less harsh. Uh, It doesn't look as animated. They give a little bit of blur to the background. They 
tone down the colors. They darken it so the the grays are more subtle. Yes. And instead of zealously following the original broadcast duration, Norton's team in the special edition did some timing cuts. I think the most famous one or infamous one is uh, cutting out Trump's little jig in episode one where they felt they couldn't do the animation. So little things like that, but not so much scenes or lines of dialogue. But if a scene lasted 32 seconds and there was a lot of dead space in it, they would scrunch it up maybe to 28 seconds. So in the animation, it would flow better. So subtle uh, trims throughout the uh, entire story that's what directing animation should be about really in my opinion you know it's something like fury it's such a it's such a lost story um and there's the desire to make it epic uh and your widescreen color blah 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 um what is great about 60s 70s doctor who is the claustrophobia of small sets and 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 to have everybody squashed in to a small space mm-hmm. makes it very difficult to make the show, obviously, and they, you know people complain about Absolutely. it. Absolutely, but it does give you a sense of claustrophobia and fright and horror. And not only are you hiding behind the sofa, but the cast are also stuck behind the sofa as well. And the right. kind of final episode, spoiler alert, when the the Daleks are stalking down the corridors, exterminating everybody. That took me straight back to, um, or straight forward, um, ooh, timey-wimey, um, to the ending of Genesis of the Daleks, where you know, the Daleks stalk down the yeah. corridors, ex- exterminating everybody. That's not a complaint. Daleks stalking down a claustrophobic corridor, exterminating everybody, is... That's what I turn up for, basically. So um, <laughs> it, was, it was great. Um, and I, again, I can't remember how that was different in the original animation, but I don't remember being interested by that point in watching a full six six episodes. One thing I'm wondering is, you know, maybe maybe every one of these animations should have a do-over pass. Um, that's not going to happen, obviously, but I think this has benefited immensely for, for sort of having a rough cut and then being done again, because they've obviously made so many minor and relatively major improvements that it is literally improved. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that they have the advantage of is this team, when they did this, had had done additional animations. And so they were able to take in some of the scenes, I think in the scenes in episode one and episode six, they took the, what again, my son Elliot says, the Troughton model that they used in Macra to do a little more subtle movements of Troughton when walking and transitioning into scenes. So even though Troughton looks slightly different than the the uh, likeness that they have for power, it's not so much blink and you miss it, but it, it does help smooth out the flow. And a lot of the um, jumping towards the end where Lesterton is just cracking up and going mad, that's been completely reanimated giving Lesterson uh, more facial expression and more range of movement with his arms, and it just sells his crack-up better. It's just just these where they focus on animation, and it's sort of like they had the rough cut, and then you fix and you improve where you can. And again, it's a budget. They didn't do anything with Jane Lee much at all that I could tell. But I think the two most important faces, Lesterson and Troughton, 
Yes. They cleaned up. Um, they improved the animation for Lesterson, and they just kind of improved just the movements and the range of shots yep. or perspectives that they would have a trout and just kind of smooth things out and just make it easier. Uh, 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 the, uh, easier easier as a viewer to watch, I guess. The, the face that I actually noticed the most change with, because um, it's you know an actor that I really enjoy and I'm always kind of like, hey, when I spot him in movies, is Bernard Archard, mm-hmm. who you basically had two expressions, as far as I can remember, in the, in the original <laughs> animation, one of which was like a kind of pursed lip, painful yep. expression, and the other was like a neutral expression of those were his expressions, um, which really kind of like took me again out of the action for the original, but this, uh, in this, he had more expressions and that was great because I mm-hmm. really enjoy him as an actor. And I think, yes. I think you're right all the way through, they've done more work to give people more ways of expressing themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think they also did things that just help the viewer not get focused in that they're watching an animation. I think one of the biggest changes was they dropped uh, Troughton's checkered pants. They just gave him kind of a gray tweed look to the pants. And this is not something I noticed until I did the side-by-side. Right. The pants, while correct for the story, when animated, were slightly distracting. And that wasn't the intent of the costume but right. when it comes across an animation, it's a little harder to do that pattern, that texture uh, animation in a realistic way, and it came off more cartoony. So I think, again, it's probably a good decision to focus more on what's happening rather than how it's happening. And that kind of yeah. that kind of fits in with the whole underlying goal of the story is convince the viewers back in 66 when this came out that this new actor, Patrick Troughton, was indeed the doctor. And it's a lot of showing and not telling the audience. And uh, I think the same type of changes were more uh, more done with, especially in episode one again, of, of just showing that this is indeed a different doctor, but not telling us that it's Doctor Who. So it... Right. it it's, I guess, judicious cuts and just subtle changes throughout that just make this more moody, more gloomy, and overall, I'll keep saying it, a vast improvement. Yeah, yeah. Just heightening the claustrophobia and the the kind of heightened level of emotion throughout this entire colony mm-hmm. as they think that they're dealing with some kind of rebellion between each other and whoops, it ends up they're actually not dealing with that at all. Um, they're dealing with a with a you know a massive alien menace that they have not been previously aware of. Mm-hmm. And well, what's kind of funny is that midway through the story, Lesterson kind of wins concessions that the doctor can't interfere with his research, and he wants a guard posted outside his door so the doctor can't get in. If it wasn't for Lesterson and his wanting to help the colony by getting these Daleks to be their servants. You could imagine that the rebels and Bregan and Henslow would just cancel each other out, and you wouldn't have had this big body count at the end. Right, right. Nearly everyone has died. It's Lesterson who's not political, who's not involved in this power struggle that's trying to benefit the colony, <laughs> actually brings about its doom just because of his curiosity yeah. and naivete to resurrect the Daleks. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, so it's uh, it's funny. Um, 
Another great change that they made was to fix a minor continuity error in episode one when Hensel says, let's get these visitors into decent clothes. In a previous shot in that scene, Ben and Polly had already changed, so they fixed the costumes that Ben and Polly were in to be their original landing costumes. And just little continuity things like Troughton losing his hat in the laboratory, but they had him wearing his hat walking to the TARDIS at the end of the story. Well, they don't have him wearing a hat at the end of the story heading towards the TARDIS. So just, just, ah, I think this is a theme that we have throughout our commentaries on Doctor Who is if just given a little more time, just another pass over that script, it makes all the difference. And here we have proof positive that being able to go back and have that rough cut and being able to just go in and fix those little annoying things either in pacing or in presentation it makes all the difference in some of these classic stories right right yeah 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 i mean i think this 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 is obviously a great story this is a key story in the in the development of the show and i it's Mm -hmm. i think it's important that it's good and I think it was a shame that it wasn't, right. but I'm going to repeat what you said and amplify what I said. I think all of these animations, um, I mean, everything that you do, work presentation, piece of writing, whatever, everything that you do creatively always benefits from leaving it for a bit and then coming back to it. Mm-hmm. And this is exactly what's happened here. And it's made it, it's it's just made a huge difference. Now, I don't know. I mean, I, I haven't had that comparison experience like you have. Mm-hmm. All I can remember is that when I first watched it, it was like, oh, this is awful. Right. Um, and the second time I watched it, yeah, this is great. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I, I love the idea that there are subtle things that I really haven't noticed mm-hmm. have just enhanced my enjoyment. And I think that's um, uh, that's a fun thing to have experienced. Yeah, and I think it benefited me not doing a side-by-side comparison right away and not having seen the animation for about five years, too. Right. And just letting it coalesce in the background in my memory and then say, all right, I'm going to look at this with fresh eyes. And it's different enough and it's improved that a fresh pair of eyes and kind of checking my bias at the door Right, really opened the story up for me in an, in its animated form that previous viewings had shut that path off for me. Yeah. What were your um, reactions when you saw the first, the 2017 version? Can you remember? I, I didn't listen to uh, episode, I think, 31 of our podcast, so I don't really recall what my... Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. Both of us know what our reactions <laughs> were, um, but we haven't actually listened to that. Uh, tell us. I was not impressed with it at all, and I was really reluctant for the Norton team to take on any more animations, <laughs> I think. Um, so, yes, my reaction, I guess, was the question. It's night and day. I didn't want to ever watch the black or the the i never wanted to watch the color version again of this and i really didn't want to watch the 2017 version of it ever again and in five years i never did uh um, right. this one i can see pulling off if i'm in a Troughton mood or a Troughton rewatch this is a legitimate way of watching uh or experiencing the power of the daleks yeah. previously i was going to either do soundtrack or telesnap reconstructions interesting yeah yeah yeah. No, no, I, I, same same for me. Absolutely same for me. Same for me. So most of the improvements were lumped towards the beginning and towards the end. At the beginning was the scenes in the TARDIS. 
the lighting and the TARDIS was entirely different. The roundels were unlit in the new version um, right. towards the end in, um, I think, episode five and episode six with Lesterson, his cracking up and his uh, his facial expressions are all different. There's more subtlety to the animated performance of the Lesterson character. It's just across the board the grading's less harsh the framing is better they adopted a 1960 style framing animation is smoother where it needed to be cuts were made for pacing it's just better yeah wholesale here's a here's a a thought i've just had it is actually kind of ironic that they've dumped the color version which i i'm trying to remember what my what my thought process was i mean i guess i didn't even look for it i just kind of assumed it was probably stuck on there somewhere but um, you know, we, we, we've got these amazing color photographs now of the set. Oh, from the Derek Dodd collection, yeah. Exactly, which is kind of weird. So, I mean, unlike, uh, I would assume, you know, the vast majority of 1960s Doctor Who, we actually have a pretty good idea of what it looked mm-hmm. like in color. Mm-hmm. But I, in general, am against watching these in color. <laughs> I, in general... It was a funny thing. I was I can't remember who it was on Twitter, but someone had posted a picture of them watching uh, Tomb of the Cybermen on an original 1960s television. Oh, yeah. It was Rich Tipple at was, Far From All Over. Okay, yeah. Which I thought, oh, that's awesome. I, if I ever am <laughs> bored enough, <laughs> um, I, would, I, I would like to try and do that. I think that would be a really interesting experience to rewatch all of these 60s shows in the, you know, in the original way that they were designed to be watched. And black and white TV. And a small black and white TV with a limited number of lines. Sitting in a bedroom. <laughs> Sitting in a bedroom, or no? Well, you you, you were sitting in, in the front room. You wouldn't you wouldn't have a TV in the bedroom. Um, uh, or I guess I would have been. You would have been. We've already had we've had that conversation. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. my parents' bedroom. Um, yeah, you would have been so like anyway. one years old when this was broadcast. Uh, how old? How, yes, would I have been one years old? Let's take a look. Um, have they actually got the actual? Have you got? What's the actual date this was originally broadcast? November fifth, nineteen sixty-six through December tenth, nineteen sixty-six. Um, I would have just have been born. <laughs> newborn Ben. Yep, yep. I would have been a little baby. Yes, a newborn baby in my mother's arms. She was probably watching. Probably was. Probably was. Yeah. No, I, I don't. I, I, I. It's. Show to show everybody watched, so I wouldn't be surprised if they were. I'm not sure she was enjoying it that much, um, <laughs> because you know um, it's not really um, not really her thing. But there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but it was on. It was on Saturday tea time. Exactly. 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 Cool. Anything else? Anything else on the power of the Daleks, or shall we move on to other happenings in Doctor Who? I think that is all. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, we can move on to other issues. I think we've covered that, right? Okay, so I think the last thing going on, and this leads into the news this week, is the reason why this hasn't been released in North America is when the original edition was released, it had to be colorized because BBC America basically went, we Once can't print. We can't broadcast this in color, and they're not going to go recolorize the special editions. So there's obviously North Americans only want color, so we're only going <laughs> to we're, we're not going to release the special edition with BBC America. All f- subsequent animations have been in color, and there's been rumor, I guess, stoked by uh, an article that appeared in the Daily Mirror 
earlier this week that BBC America has yanked all funding for future animations. The Abominable Snowman will be the last animation. And uh, um, I'm not sure how I feel about that. <laughs> well, I think, you know, just reading between the lines of this, and obviously for some weird reason, um, like Doctor Who, even the animation of soundtracks from the 1960s appears to be some kind of news for, for the um, for the for the Daily Mirror, um, I think the news story is that is that BBC America are no longer paying for this. Mm-hmm. So that's one group of people who have a certain amount of money no longer want to pay for this thing to happen. Right. That doesn't mean that thing is going to stop. It just means that these people aren't paying for it anymore. Mm-hmm. So I think the kind of death of these animations is is announcing the death of these of these animations is premature. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, uh, depending on what Russell Russell T. Davis does, and with Bad Wolf and Sony, I could certainly yep. see Sony saying, "Hmm, Dalek Master Plan, 60th anniversary of Doctor Who. That seems like a potential money source. Let's go uh, animate that with a little bit of little bigger budget than was provided for Evil or Power, and uh, we give uh, fans a Hartnell Doctor Who mega story." Yeah, and I think one thing that we do know is that for certain that Russell T. Davis is a a pretty powerful person in the television industry. And now that um, Bad Wolf Studios, um, part owned by Sony, have taken over making Doctor Who um, for the BBC or whatever the whoever is broadcasting this come um, you know twenty twenty three twenty four is a big fan of Doctor Who and in such a way that it is entirely I think possible um, that he would go to I don't know you know who provides all the money for Sony but you know would go to whatever executive he has to deal with and say you know I think this should happen Um, this is something we should be doing and I can imagine an executive oh how much is it going to cost it's going to cost you know five hundred thousand dollars or something okay that doesn't sound like a huge sum of money let's do it so I, I'm not I'm not as depressed about this as as, as everyone else appears to be mm-hmm. wanting to be. Mm-hmm. I mean I think BBC America have done an okay job. Um, I think the, the this kind of desperate desire to have everything in color is not something I agree with. <laughs> um, I don't think it's necessary. Right. And I think actually I think these animations could be could be done better and also spend less money in my opinion mm-hmm. uh, I, again I'm, I, in some ways I'm thinking I'm thinking about fury here um, <laughs> where I think they could have they could have spent less and done it better so uh, yeah I, so I'm you know I'm not I'm not that depressed about this I mean we've got um, we've got abominable snowmen coming that's going to be great I'm looking forward to that one because that's a great story mm-hmm. and you know we will see where we get to I think it seems to me and, and again you know I've literally have no facts at my fingertips on this one you know the 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 blu-ray sets are something that people want to buy and and they are selling well yes um the the season sets um if we're going to continue to to have content in that way and you know selling these season sets at some point we're going to have to think about well how are we going to sell season sets from the 1960s well okay this is a way it is it is uh I guess the disappointment from my part is we didn't have an animation for the Crusader Space Pirates, so we're not going to see a Season 3 or Season 6 Doctor Who collection, I think, anytime soon that uh, has uh, moving pictures for every episode. And that's kind of what I was thinking that they were heading towards, or even, say, the Wheel in Space for a Season 5. 
Blu-ray collection. So I think that pushes the black and whites perhaps a little further further into the future and or maybe it's not going to have a moving picture then for every every episode. I think that would be a shame and I think it would also be in some ways uh, I don't know what the cliche is but I think it's worth waiting for and I think it's worth paying for. I think if they produce 60s season sets which have telesnaps reconstructions, as good as those may be, those are not going to be as attractive, as satisfying to the buyer um, as these animations are. What do you think about doing deep fakes, uh, a deep fake type reconstruction? Well, this is, I mean, we, we, we haven't talked about this, but I mean, this is my theory about the you know, widely panned episode three reconstruction in the Web of Fear which everybody hates, but I actually kind of like. Um, <laughs> my theory is that was a practice to see, okay, how could we do this using um, you know, live actors to animate things that have a more complicated range of live action, such as the Crusaders, for instance. Yeah, but those weren't live actors at all. Those were animated puppets, basically 3D models going through the paces. But, the, I, mean, but they were, they, I mean, they were based on human movements right i mean they weren't it, it was it's a it's more like a rotoscope okay. process as i understood i wasn't seeing that at all with the web of fear animations hmm. i think that to me seemed like a more naturalistic animation style um, which i think would work well for the stories that have less that have fewer robots mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in it um, such as the crusaders which has no robots in it at all and i think again that more naturalistic style i think does have the potential to involve deepfake as well, um, which is something that really works and, like all technologies, is just going to get cheaper and cheaper and cheaper and cheaper and cheaper until we all do it. I think what you need to focus in on if you're going to do the 3D model type animation is you have to have the same focus on the actor's face and get a good likeness if you're trying to go for a realistic thing. And you have to be really careful of uh, picture framings and then angles that you're taking of your uh, animated characters so that you don't have some weird, distorted, uh, morphed skin face on this uh, this 3D model where and you have some weird camera angles and they look uh, uncanny valley or unrealistic at all. And I think that's what really suffered for uh, from the Web of Fear is that uh, just some of the angles of the characters just they you know, looked ghastly embarrassingly bad uh, well i okay well we can we can agree to disagree on that one uh i mean i think <laughs> i think all of the animation styles throughout this five-year period or so um or yes or i guess longer than that we go all the way back to um the invasion um have problems none of them are perfect yes. And it really depends mm-hmm. on, okay, what is the story? Um, I'm very much on record of wanting something that isn't going to happen, um, which is the Space Pirates being animated <laughs> by, um, by the Anderson group mm-hmm. in Super Marionation, which I think would be amazing because that style of animation suits the story. And I think one of the, one of the things that it's possible that the, uh, 
if there's more money injected into this animation activity, which I think is possible after BBC mm-hmm. America are, are, are pulling out, there may be more of an understanding, I think, by now that you know, certain stories need this kind of animation and certain stories need that kind of animation. We'll see. I, you know, I mean, I guess that maybe that's me being too kind of precious about the way things look, reflecting the way that they are. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, yeah. Well, I think we go back to one of our original thoughts on these animations back when the power came out, is that, at least for me, I think a more stylized, less realistic animation might serve these stories better. So more stylized characters, more, I wouldn't say cartoony in a silly sort of way, but more uh, of like an Adrian Salmon type stylized right. type characters or just... Uh, I think we had kicked around, you know, yellow submarine style animation for Macro Terror. Something that says, yes, we are animated. We aren't trying to pretend to be real and allow for the strengths of animation, which isn't replicating reality, but it's allowing characters perhaps even a greater range of facial expressions or more stylized movements or something I think of Shaggy from Scooby-Doo type walking. And instead of going for more realism, go for more artistic, more stylized, more of an artist's vision that might expand the way it looks away from what it was broadcast and go towards what makes an actual pleasing visual representation of a particular story. Really what we were talking about in the last pod when we were talking about Galaxy 4, you know, mm. that there needs, you know, that, that that animation, as good as it was, you know, needed an art director. They needed someone standing over the top of it saying, it should look like this. Mm-hmm. And I think it's definitely the case that for um, New Who, both Moffat and, and Russell, um, uh, <laughs> I call him Russell because I like him. I call him Moffat because I don't. <laughs> um, uh, Russell and Stephen... You know, this whole kind of mood board, you know, tone meetings, you know, what okay, what, what should be the colors of the thing? I think that was obviously really instrumental on, right. in, in kind of setting what each, each um, uh, I think, the, the, the success of, of New Who. And I think it's something that, that these animations sort of haven't had because they've sort of been done on the fly a little bit, funded by a source of money that was sort of really only interested in one thing, which mm-hmm. is we need to have color because Americans won't watch things that aren't in color. Doesn't matter what it's like. Doesn't matter anything about it as long as it's not black and white. Right. So, you know, as I said, I mean, I think let's be patient about this. Um, I'm hopeful that this will continue. I hope that we have... Hopeful. Some... I, I, I think it will continue. Mm-hmm. I think we just have to be patient. Yeah. Well, there was a great drought between... Um the end of the dvd range and then where uh, the blu-rays came in with animations we had a kind of a rejiggering with power when power of the daleks came in 2017 a whole new yearly season effectively where we have one or two animations coming out yeah so it's it's uh until these are all recovered or until these are all animated I think we're going to still have the potential for animation. And I wouldn't be too surprised if in 10, 15 years that we have a completely new animation for some of the stories that are completely missing because Doctor Who fans will buy it. Yeah, that's true. Probably will, won't we? God, it's, it's, is, never go, it's never going to end, is it? We're always going How to many versions of Shada show. do we have? What's that? 
How many versions of Shada oh, do we Christ. have? As long as they don't react, as long as they don't do another animated another version of Shada, <laughs> that's fine. Shada. No, you know the least, not the greatest hour <laughs> in Doctor Who's history, but the most. I don't know. In inverted commas, loved. Rejiggered. Yeah. Ah, Shada, we need more Shada. Ah, Douglas Adams. Ah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Well, if the Tories remain in power, we do know that the BBC... BBC's going away. BBC um, might not plus, even be an entity. Yeah. Um, so that was news that came out this morning on Sunday, January the 16th. Yes. I think largely as a way to try and defuse the um, whole party gate saga. <laughs> Which, again, viewers, it's probably all been sorted out, listeners. This has probably all been sorted out by now. And like by it's the time come you're, out lis- in a fortnight, yeah. you're listening to this, Boris Johnson would have been strung up from the lamppost like Mussolini, as he should be. Um, <laughs> um, but At least not in power anymore. Well, yeah, that's true. No, no, I, I, yes, yes, definitely, uh, Cheltenham, I am not threatening to kill Boris Johnson. Um, that's, that's not well, my we'll, intent. We'll just edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know the proposed so the the current proposal is the license fee as again our listener will know um the bbc in the uk is funded through a television license everyone who owns a television has to pay a certain sum of money and that money goes to the bbc that license fee is being frozen for the next few years and will be abolished completely in 2027 which means the bbc will have no source of funding Mm-hmm. Or at least no source of funding that is not it earning money through advertising or selling things, right. which you know for Americans sound like well bleh, that sounds and I, I've, I've sat in bars like arguing about the license fee and you know, how it's a good thing rather than a bad thing. Um, but I think that you know the argument is well you know Netflix does fine, HBO does fine, uh, Sky does fine. Why should the BBC be funded differently? I'm completely misunderstanding that the, actually the BBC does a huge number of things that Sky, which is owned by News Corp, which is the owner of um, Fox, etc. Um, I think Sky is probably the biggest cable satellite channel in the UK. They don't do what the BBC does. Um, no. Well, and it's also owned by Rupert Murdoch, whose only goal is to... Uh, consolidate power wealth and kill democracies and i can't say that is what bbc's goal is yeah and the bbc is unique in that that's not its goal i mean if you compare uh what the bbc produces to what npr slash pbs produce it's okay if you imagine the funding model that pbs has applied to the bbc you're going to get pbs in the uk now uk people don't understand how pathetic pbs is and pbs is fine but it's it's a pretty pathetic television service yeah it's frustratingly bland they don't want to alienate their donors so they're unwilling to look at things closely that might disrupt the current power structure and i'm not a regular bbc viewer so I, I, my uh, association with BBC is mainly through uh, the filter of PBS or through Doctor Who or listening through uh, BBC World Service. So I have noticed a decline in news quality in the BBC over the past 20 years. There's two reasons for that, one of which is continual cuts to its funding. And also what I think, I believe is actually a completely misguided attempt by BBC News to curry favor with the conservative party by being less left left leaning and i think you know the mistake they've made there is there's no point in doing that 
Um, it didn't serve them anything. I mean, they're getting cut and their funding. What, what did it do? Did it buy them an extra 27 years? I don't no, you know. It didn't, it didn't buy them anything. And I think what we may be seeing, certainly with the announcement this morning, which, you know, it isn't a done deal. I mean, I think there are probably a ropey couple of years mm-hmm. for the BBC as long as the Conservatives stay in power. But I think what we're seeing in part way is a desperate attempt, obviously in the short term, to kind of defuse Partygate, but also... Well, in, in Brexit follow Well, I mean, I think this is the long-term thing. I think there may be a slowly dawning realisation in the Conservative, in the, you know, the I, I hesitate to use the word intelligent, um, but maybe the more savvy versions of the Conservative Party that without the European Union, they've got no one to blame anymore for things. So there is a desire to find other people to blame for stuff. Uh, and the BBC, again, as a, uh, a core, uh, you know, a public service is something that mm-hmm. it may be useful to start blaming for things. Um, because, you know, as I said, the Conservative Party has basically since Margaret Thatcher, um, since the mid 80s, has had the European Union to blame. Um, and now it doesn't have the European Union to blame for the state of the country. It's, and it obviously it can't blame itself because it is infallible. Uh, it needs to find someone else. So I don't know. Um, you know, I'd, again, like these animations, I think we should be patient. Um, I think there's, there's going to be, there's going to be some difficult years ahead. But I, I don't, I mean, I, in the end, I don't see the BBC going away. Uh, if it does go away, it, it's a disaster. And we, you know, like most things, we don't know what we've got till it's gone. You'll never get it back if it goes. If it goes, you'll never get it back. Yes, I mean, exactly. it's, sort of, it's, it's sort of like American democracy. If it goes, which it's perilously close to going, we're never going to get it back. Certainly not in yours in my lifetime. Yeah. So there you go. Well, that's a happy note <laughs> to end. In, in the meantime... <laughs> <laughs> uh, bread and circuses all around. Uh, go buy yourself a shiny <laughs> Blu-ray or DVD disc of uh, the Power of the Dalek Special Editions and give yeah, it a watch. Run. Don't give it walk. a watch. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and if you live in America, <laughs> well, it's going to be hard to get one, but you should try and definitely get one. Yeah. I'm not sure if Amazon Co. UK would ship them, but Rare Waves, I think, still would uh, ship if you are looking for Yeah, you can you can, to... you can find them. I mean, you're going to have to pay a premium for it, but you, yeah, know, you probably shouldn't be giving money to Jeff Bezos anyway, because he's also part of the problem. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, right. Right. Well, Goodness. Okay. I guess our uh, political colors are showing a little bit today. Well, uh, I don't think this podcast <laughs> has ever attempted to be fair and balanced. <laughs> Anyways. I mean, so, so, I mean, here's, here's a, I mean, here's another, here's another piece. I mean, my, my lovely wife and I have just finished watching Succession. Mm. Uh, that's on HBO, which is basically a British show. So, uh, you know, it's two, two of the main actors are British. You know, it's written by Britons. It's produced by Jane Tranter. That there's so much talent in Britain in terms of making good TV. All of that talent has come from the BBC. And I think if we lose the BBC, you, we're really going to notice it. Mm-hmm. So don't yeah. do that. All right. Anyway. Episode 195. Thank you for listening to the Metabilis 2 podcast. Uh, I'm, I'm tanking here. All right. Try that again. Very professional. You want to get your job with the BBC. Yeah, there you go. 
Thank you for listening to episode 195 of the Metabilis 2 podcast. I have been speaking with Ben about uh, subtle but yet significant changes to Doctor Who, the power of the Daleks. Um, And I've been complaining about the state of the nation. Um, uh, (laughs) David, there you go. Both nations. Both nations, exactly. exactly. Not the Terry nation. Not the Terry nation. The state of the Terry nation, again, is is very, (laughs) very high. All right. Thanks for listening, folks. Okay. Goodbye. Goodbye.